Hello, Canada and hockey fans in the United States and Newfoundland. Cool button, uncensored hockey podcast, episode 29. Nate McKinnon, Mark Andre Fleury. We'll talk about both is underway. An angry Rick Bonus and Evander Kane are all items up for bids on this day as we say hello to Craig Button in the Calgary office. Craig, how was your weekend? Is it still frosty where you are? No, it's warming up. We're, we're we're getting one of those nice Chinooks here. It's 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 gone up 40 degrees Celsius in the last few days. I was cross country skiing on uh, Sunday. Beautiful 90 minute uh, excursion on on the ski. Great fresh snow. The weather was warm, and uh, you know we're gonna have some uh, 14, 12, 13 degree days. And I'll be going skiing. I'll be doing the downhill part on Wednesday. So tune in on Thursday, episode 30, to hear about exploits at Lake Louise. <laughs> I better not see you uh, casts. I better not see you back yeah. in a, a, yeah, don't hit a tree, right? Don't hit a tree. Listen, listen, I'll tell you a story, Steve, okay? We were skiing at a, at a mountain here, Fortress, and it's not open anymore. And uh, it was it's a really challenging uh, ski hill. So good. And I, I don't know how many years ago, but we're skiing and all of a sudden, um, I get about halfway down the, the hill on this glade. You're going through the trees. I wasn't wearing a helmet. And I just kind of stopped dead in my tracks. And I said, what are you doing? Like, you know, you have that point of fear. You go, what am I doing? Like, first of all, I don't need to break anything. Number one, what am I? I could just fall and hit my head. And I've never uh, gone skiing since without a helmet. But you get those moments in time. And I see people on the ski hill without helmets and I just, I shake my head. I go, you, you, you know, it's not, might even be your fault. Somebody might cut you off and you might fall. Anyway, I'm very careful. I know my, I know my abilities and uh, I, I, I ski safe. It doesn't mean I don't ski hard, but I ski safe. Yes, it is a great sport. I haven't done it as much as I would have liked in my uh, life, but taking the kids, beautiful night. There are skis hanging on the ski lift as you go. Oh, just some great moments. I can't wait to do it again. Uh, great stuff. So you be safe uh, before we talk to you, of course, heading into number 30. Come on out. Come on out. Come on out here. Powder. You know what the beautiful thing is about skiing and powder is that, you know, it's forgiving. If you fall, it's like falling into a pillow. So come on out. Have yes. some fun. You're further ahead than I am. I hope you're okay if I start on the uh, the Kitty Hills. So uh, <laughs> that sounds like fun. What's going on in San Jose with Evander Kane is not so fun. So the legalities, I mean, a team can't just say, hmm, we don't like some guy's contract. Uh, we're going to terminate it uh, just cause. I mean, this this is serious stuff. And the NHLPA is, is basically going to get involved. Kane, 777. And then what's left this year, which is you know, basically half of seven. So we're talking about 21, 22, 23 plus million dollars gone. You had a great year with the Sharks last year. We know the stories this year. So you take me through the legalities of being able to turn, basically they're firing him with cause. Yeah, well, that's it. First of all, I can't take you through the legalities because I'm not a lawyer and I don't know what the legalities of it is. So you know what? You, you nailed it. You're firing them with, with, with cause so they don't have to pay him. But let me be very clear here about Evander Kane. It's the same thing with Antonio Brown, okay? We know how talented they are, and we always talk about their talent. The common denominator in every one of their problems is themselves. So at the end of the day, Steve, until they want to address their own problems, nothing's going to change. 
So do, do I have empathy for, 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 for perhaps something that, you know, they need help with? Yeah, I do. I think everybody does. But they have found themselves in this position because of their own actions, because of their own inability to recognize that they may need help. And I understand that, in, that with respect to help, sometimes you need a push and a pull. Do you know who Clive Davis is? No. Great documentary on Netflix. Clive Davis is like the music mogul of the world. Okay. And the, finding all kinds of different artists over the years, right? Whitney Houston was one of them. And he, he talks about Whitney Houston and how talented she was and how gifted she was. They tried to help her, but even though she tried to help herself a little bit, she, she, she couldn't get to a place where she could help herself fully. And as he said, he goes, there's no doubt she, that she wanted to live longer, but she couldn't get the help. So what I'm going to say about Evander Kane and Antonio Brown is, you know what? Until you're ready to help yourselves and the, despite the efforts of other people to try to help you, you know, sometimes it might not just turn out. And for Evander, it's too bad. He's a really, very talented hockey player, but he's the common denominator in all of his problems. In all of his problems, he's the common denominator. We'll see how the legalities play out, but that's what the Sharks said. They said, you're fired. You're fired for cause. Well, we've heard stories, and I, I, I don't want to speak out of school about what did or didn't happen in the NHL last year. I mean, some of it's documented, and then what may have happened this year with basically not returning back to work, and he's supposed to go to the Barracudas and be a good guy and report back to work, and apparently that didn't happen. So it'll all come out, and it's not as – remember, this isn't a buyout. There's, there's not a check – Thank you very much. I'm UFA. A lot of players don't mind that check and going back into the workforce and, you know, double dipping. This is losing at least 23 million American dollars of which we could argue he will never make back up. So he could make some of it up. If a team wants him, would you want him if you were team X and you think of playing the NHL either this year or sometime maybe after the dust settles next year? Let me just answer the first question. No, I don't want him on my team. End of story. Would I like to help him? Would I like to see him get help and get on the right track? Yes, I would. Let somebody else take the chance. I don't know if he's going to come back. I'm going to quote. I'm going to quote the great Red Auerbach, the architect of those great Celtics teams. He was asked once about you know, about a player and trying to change him. And would you bring him in? You have a good organization. You have good people here. And so Red listened to the question and he responded this way. He says, before I give you my answer, I want to give you a little stat. They tell me one in 100 change. Two things. I'm not in the business of change and I don't like those odds. No. Wow. What a great quote. Well, I was going to say that I was going to inquire if I was X teams to inquire. I, I, I still think I would, you know, because I'm a young GM with no experience. So I'd say to the agent, can I speak to Evander? Evander, can we talk? Uh, then talk to my leadership group, talk to my coach. If he, I, I said before, if he came in on a $700,000 contract, uh, you know, he's not going to sign a two-way deal in a perfect world. If I had all the leverage, I'd say, you know, because then when you send him down and then let him go, you don't have to send him down at, you don't have to lose the 700,000 on the cap. You could lose the 70,000, right? If I understand all the intricacies you've given me from the CBA notes. So if I could just let him go and fire him again, that would be the only way I would take him in. If I'm 
the Rangers or the Leafs or Florida or Tampa or somebody else, but you're saying, hold your breath, at least into next year after he's already proven he's gotten the help he needs. Well, I mean, if that happens, we're in a different situation. He, 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 he can change the narrative. And Steve, let me tell you that Evander Kane is a hockey player with $7 million. There's value there because he's such a good player. There's no, there, there's not more value with Evander Kane at seven hundred thousand. There is at seven million because we're not talking about the hockey player. We're talking about the person. No, not at seven hundred thousand. Not at seventy dollars. No, like I said about Red Arbach, it's a hard no. I'm not giving up. I don't want. I, I, you I, don't I, have to. I'm just telling you my philosophy. I'm not telling you to give up, and I'm not suggesting that others would give up. And I'm. Hey, listen, we see lots. Of, I'm just telling you. Was there ever a greater architect, Sam Pollock? Yeah. Was there a better architect than Red Arbach and Sam Pollock? I just quoted Red Arbach. That's my philosophy. Not happening. Right. Uh, before we move on, will Evander Kane play in the NHL again? I don't know. I, I can't answer that. I mean, based on based on previous history with, 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 with in different sports with different athletes, it would be hard to say to be as definitive as I am saying no about my own philosophy to say that that's how everybody thinks. But so I would say, you know, based on previous history, it would be very difficult to say no, we won't play in the NHL. But at the end of the day, you know, he, he he's put himself in this spot. And it's and and the disappointing thing for Evander is that he is talented and and he is a good hockey player. And you know when I say he's the common denominator in all these, there's no question as a hockey player who wouldn't want him as a hockey player who wouldn't want him. This isn't about him as a hockey player. I'm just gonna guess, okay. And it's fun to have the other side. Oh yeah, I guess no, I agree. I'll, I'll guess he's in the NHL this year. Somewhere he's in the NHL this year. So, hey, and we're just looking into crystal balls that may be clouded or not clouded, but I still love that quote. Like there's certain quotes that to me, when I was a kid, the favorite quote for me, because it was in that wheelhouse, Fred Shiro, Super Series 76, uh, January 1970, I think it was January 11th. They interviewed him. Fred said, if, I, if we win this game today, I'll be sky high. If we lose, it'll be worse than dying. Whoa. And I've always loved Fred Shiro and his innovation. And he thought the league would have bullpens for goalies and a whole bunch of other things. But that was a quote. And I was, you know, what am I, eight years old? And I hear that. I'm like, well, they better win. And they're going home. We know how that turned out anyway. So um, I love great quotes. But your Red Arbach quote is, is outstanding. Artemi Panarin, KK97 in the news. Tuka Rask might join the Bruins without any AHL time. I want to get to John Klingberg and your experience with guys who don't want to play somewhere or want a contract in just a moment but mr mark andre Fleury, like what a moment saturday what a moment would have been a great second game of a double header moment but it's okay thank god for center ice so there he is like it wasn't a high chance game it was it was a 2-1 game and it should have been on on paper it should have been 2-1 for vegas but it was 2-1 for of course chicago was the right decision made like how will history look at Mark Andre Fleury and Gerard Glenn? I'm going to throw him in there. Their departures, like, is Vegas just Wall Street cruel, or is that business? Like, how do we look at not just Saturday because we know it was a great moment and blah blah blah, but how will history look back five years from now on Fleury in Vegas, Fleury leaving Vegas? 
Well, when you watch the game and you see what happened post game with Mark Andre and the, and the Vegas Golden Knights fans, I mean, you, you know where his place is in Vegas Golden Knights history. I mean, it's cemented. And, and as it should be, he came there as the face of a franchise that went to the Stanley Cup final in its very first season. So, and, and, and he wins the Vezina in his last season with the Vegas Golden Knights. So, you know, Mark Andre Fleury was a big part of the success of the Vegas Golden Knights in their first four seasons. That will not, never be forgotten. A couple of things, and I, I cannot, uh, I, I just can't talk uh, out of both sides of my mouth. Sports, when you're a manager, there has to be a dispassionate assessment. No, nobody says you don't, you don't love Marc-Andre Fleury, but I will ask you this question. Do you think the Vegas Golden Knights are a better team with better players today than they were a year ago, two years ago, their first year? I think without question they are. So isn't that the manager's job to continue to improve the team? And, and, and yes, you know, we can look at things and say, well, you know what, maybe this could have been handled better. Maybe there was a better way to do it. Maybe it didn't have to be publicly played out. I get all that. But if we break it down to its core element of trying to make the team better and to continuously look at ways for the team to improve, I think that that's exactly what Kelly McCrimmon has done. And as much as, fans fall in love with players as they should and, and whatnot. The manager's job is to continue to look at ways to improve the team. It doesn't mean you don't like Marc-Andre Fleury. It doesn't mean you don't, you wouldn't like to have him, but you have to be able to, to, to make those assessments. So when I look at the Vegas Golden Knights and, and Jack Eichel comes into this, he, into this mix as well, you know, I want to see their team with him on the ice because they've never had a player like Jack Eichel. I think their team is much, much improved. I mean, as good as Shea Theodore is, they've never had a player like Alex Petrangelo. Pacioretty's on fire. Mark Stone, who they made a trade. This is a good team. Now, you know where I stand on them as a Stanley Cup contender, as a serious Stanley Cup contender. They're in the mix. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they're one of the six, seven, eight teams. I am just don't have them at the top of that list. But I'll change my mind. I want to see how they look once Jack Eichel gets in the lineup because I think he's a game changer and he could be somebody that could push them to uh, right near the top of the list, if not to the top of the list of Stanley Cup contenders. Just love it. I also love the little shot of him and Robin Leonard before the game at center ice. I mean, you know, I, I know at times it kind of people wanted to pit one against the other, but those two guys, I think when you listen to how, uh, honest they are and how, how well they speak and how, how, how they speak about one another. That that's all that matters. I enjoyed everything about Saturday, the video tribute before the game flurry in the crease, the way that he played one floater beat him. Wasn't the best game for either team, but that's just the way it works. It was storybook and organically the fans reaction at the end, he, he put them on the map. And I think that yes, the human element matters. And you said you've been in that position, obviously, where you have to separate being buddy buddies with Jerome McGinley or Derek Morris, which is going to tie in, I think, to the John Klinberg thing that we'll talk about in just a moment. And if you're a fan, does it really bother you that Vegas says, well, we're going to bring back Eichel soon. We've traded for him. There might be some uh, dissension in the room because somebody's got to get traded. Well, I'm a season ticket holder. I got my own job. I'm running my own business. I got my do what you can to help us win. That's the job of ownership and, and, you want me to buy a private box? You want me to buy season tickets? You want me to watch the team? So we all have issues. And I get it why maybe a Riley Smith or a William Carlson might, Jonathan Marshall might think, 
that might be me now on the chopping block. When he, I get all that. And we take everything into account. But in the Flurry situation, they believe Leonard contract and age was going to make us better, which would allow us to get Alex Petrangelo or Petrangelo already came in. And that we can add to the mix. We've already brought in stolen patch already. We've given up a lot of our youth like Nick Suzuki, Eric Branson. We get all that. They think that's what's going to make the team better. And the proof will be in the pudding. June 22, June 23. June. I'd rather we shot like a lion than a lamb and try. And they're the ones like they're the ones that their necks are on the line. And they're only doing things, Craig, that they really believe are going to make them better. And if there's hurt feelings along the way, well, soon as you say 80 to get into Harvard, hurt feelings. Soon as you say I'm cutting the world junior, hurt feelings. Soon as you say I'm sending you to the minors, hurt feelings. This is elite, elite athletics. There's going to be hurt feelings. So I admire Vegas for doing what they're going to do. And if they believed all those things were going to help them win the cup, I have to back them because that's the job of the owner, the manager, and then eventually the coach. So I still like Jordan Kahn. I still like Marc-Andre Fleury, but we're going to find out very soon where they're at. And if you're asking me what I've made, many of the decisions that they did, yes, I would have. I would have. Yeah. So, you know, you think about, uh, you know, different uh, scenarios that play out like, you know what? Like I get it. The players, well, you, you, it's competitive. Like, you know what? Like it's competitive. Do you, do you think that Yanni Gord, Barkley Goodrow and Blake Coleman didn't know that they were playing their last days in Tampa Bay that, that, as they're trying to pursue the Stanley cup, they knew because they understand the business. So great. I can understand a player's disappointment. I mean, it extends to the family. I get it, but it, but, but it's competition. And this is what you signed up for. And that's the, that's a simple, and, and people go, oh, well, that's, that's hardcore. That's yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Competition is hard being the best. As my dear friend, Brian Scrudland told me many years ago, if winning was easy, everybody would do it. I love that quote. <laughs> I'm stealing. I got my Shiro quote and you've given me Red Arbach quote and I love it. I love it. Um, time now for KB on ice and inside look at the NHL brought to you by our friends at sports interaction, Canada's sports book. Do you want to gloat? Do you want to give me your picks for tonight? Did you buy a new Camaro? Are you driving around Calgary at minus 20 with the top down in your hair? wind in my hair i get you okay all right all right what do you like tonight i'm irish you know so i don't have to go search for four leaf clovers i have one and yes. you know if you if you follow sports interaction in their book i keep saying you can be confident like me when i make these predictions so you know you you kind of play the odds here so tell me where you want to head on this monday mr coolius and i'll tell you where i'm gonna head Okay, I, I'm I'm going for the trifecta. Okay, Colorado is only minus a goal and a half against Seattle. They're going to win by four. So, and Kemper's got to go back in and make up for Saturday. So, Colorado beats Seattle for sure. Boston, Washington, we're averaging six point zero eight goals per game. They're five and a half. I don't care who wins. Give me six plus. I'm going to take the over in that game. Panarin's back, and the Rangers are underdogs against the Kings, and they're giving you a goal and a half. Colorado, big time Rangers and goals, Boston, Washington. Do you want to know something? I'm three for three with you today. Now, now I got to figure out how I could do this. See, I think there's goal. You know who I underestimated at the beginning of the year? 
Who? The Washington Capitals. I underestimated them. I did not give them enough credit. And that's a good team. So I, I think that they're going to beat the Boston Bruins. You know what's amazing to me, Steve? 14 teams with a points percentage of 600 or better. The Bruins are one of them, one of them. And there are people are talking about what's wrong with the Bruins. Well, the, what's wrong? Nothing's wrong with the Bruins. They've had some issues. They're getting back to spend, but they're, 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 they're not a match in this game versus the Washington Capitals. You love goals. I love goals. We're getting goals, goals, goals. I'm going on the over and I'm going to give you one more. Hashtag McCarr 16. <laughs> You seem to be living with Kale McCarr, who's going to get 30-plus, uh, maybe Doug Wilson 39, who knows, maybe into the 40-goal category. Uh, you've made watching these games, Craig, a lot more fun, and we've already had fun watching them at night. Folks, check out all NHL odds, props, and totals at SIA.com. That's SIA.com. And sign up today at sportsinteraction.com forward slash cool button pod that's cool button pod to place your bet or bets sports interaction is canada sportsbook so the business aspect so uh it came out we've got to give our dave Pagnona power play insider credit uh it came up also saturday night on hockey night basically john klingberg wants to stay in dallas and he wants a contract and if he doesn't get one then he wants to leave <laughs> that's just like everybody else so it's, it's not new but dallas has a good team He's in decline. I don't know if Dallas is even a playoff team, so he might be added to our mix of a lot of players who would be available. Timo Meyer or Thomas Hurdle, sorry, at the deadline. Giordano, Flurry, unless he gets traded before that. Phil Kessel. So, what what does a manager do in this gym nail? So, what do you do? The phone rings. It's either the agent or the player, and there's a request. What are the the kind of GM 101 steps in dealing with the I don't want to say disgruntled. That's a, a player that wants to stay, but you're not sure if you want him to. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, that's the, the that's the high wire act, right? That, that that is a high wire act because you know you're you're dealing with John Klingberg, who's been a very good player. And what what do you always hear about John Klingberg? Oh, what a great value contract he has, right? You think John Klingberg wants to keep hearing what a great value contract he has? I'll tell you. Bob Goodnow, the former uh, executive director of the NHLPA, said this to me one day. He said, players don't want to be paid one more penny than they're worth, but they don't want to be paid one less penny than they're worth. The problem is, is that the, the, the value scale, it, it slides, right? Like, so like, so one player that gets a little bit more and you go, wait, I'm better than that guy. Why shouldn't I get that? Right. And so that's where the scale works. And, 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 you know, that's where, you know, you get salary escalation and, and that's just part of the part of overall uh, you know, uh, wage inflation. That being said, I'll tell you a story, a little story. I uh, traded for Craig Conroy and he was coming up. He had one year left on his contract. So we, we, we qualified him, and then we started negotiating on a contract. So uh, we ended up signing a three-year contract and, and it was a contract that I felt really good about. Craig was going to come in. He was going to play more of a prominent offensive role, blah, 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 blah. Let me tell you this. I got a lot of calls from around the NHL. Why would you sign him to that? That's going to hurt us in arbitration. But they said, it's not going to hurt you in arbitration. It's one contract, you know, but that's how, you know, the league was in a different place at that time. And then, you know, next year, the next year. So Craig Cronroy comes off a 70 point season, you know, Jerome McGinley has 50 goals, right? What do you think everybody's using in salary arbitration as a comparable? Craig Conroy, <laughs> right? So I see all the briefs. I see what's coming in. Well, I phoned my friend, Bob Goodnow. 
And I said, you know what? I don't want a player that's going to be sitting here thinking he, he was taken advantage of, you know, even though he's happy, it, it, it's, it's human nature. So he said, just go talk to the player, go talk to the player, just spend time with him and let him know. And so I did, I talked to Craig and we sat down and we talked about it and he went through the whole process and, you know, and so that's what I would suggest, you know, and maybe, they, maybe Jim has already done that. I'm, I'm not privy to what he said or what he hasn't said. But when you're a player like John Klingberg and you got to pick up every single day and read what a value contract you are, he talked about feeling underappreciated. There's a, there's a tangible, you know, feeling there. And then, then there's the intangible feeling. The tangible is the contract. And then the tangible or the intangible is like, appreciate me. Look what you did for Sagan. Look what you did for Ben. So you understand it. Bottom line for me is you, you have to have that. And as a, these conversations, Steve, are not always comfortable. They're not always pleasant, but you know, to, to, to sit down and talk with the player and, and he can understand where you're at. And, and maybe it's as simple as this, you know, John, we really value you. We can't go to that number. We can't do that. You know, we're limited here. What, what, what can we do? You know, do you want to try to finish out the year? Do we look to, sometimes you just got to do something that's in the best interest of the player and the team in that order. Everybody says you got to do what's best for the team. Sometimes you do have to reverse. It doesn't mean you don't do what's best for the team. Sometimes you do have to put the player first. And if Dallas keeps playing the way they are, and I mean in the standings, uh, blowing leads like they did, which got Rick Bonus upset. And of course, <laughs> when there's a problem in life, for you kids out there, blame your parents, blame your teacher, blame your coach. Don't blame yourself because, of course, it's never your fault. It's normally someone else's in society. It's someone else's. In this case, it's the officials because it was their fault. Jamie Ben didn't get the puck out with a minute to go. It's their fault. Miko Haskinen um, slashed whoever it was there, Ryan O'Reilly or Jordan Cairo, and then discombobulated in a play that led to the game being, of course, it's nobody's fault internal. And of course, I'm being facetious because of course it is. You've given yourself opportunities. So, First on Klingberg, then, if Dallas is not in a, play, in a playoff spot and Nashville's changing the narrative, Minnesota, maybe Winnipeg's even better, and they're not going to make it. So he'll probably go now. Now, a rental's one thing. What's John Klingberg now? Is he a $6 million, two, three, four? Is he a three, four? Is he still going to get paid because, you know, there's defensemen, a need for defensemen? Still top four for sure. So if he's UFA, I got to think he could be a two, three, four, depending on the team. So where do you see him as his skill set and his contract? He's 30 years old. And, you know, I, I had the great luxury of being around Sergei Zuboff. Great luxury. Trust me, it was a luxury Yeah, uh, to watch him play. Sergei played well, well into his 30s, well into his 30s. I'm not going to say John Klingberg or Sergey Zuboff. I'll call him lowercase. So he's 30 years old. I, th I think John Klingberg has five or six good seasons left in him. I know that everybody, oh, well, look at his age. Yeah, I know. Like, watch the player. Watch how different players play. You know, I know what the general rule is, but there's, uh, you, you got to look at each situation, you know, independently. At the same time, understanding, you know, what age does. He, he, he's, he's a 2-3 at the very least. So if he's a 2 now and he falls to a 3, I got no problem with that. You just got to find a way to support him. $6 million, I mean, geez, I'd sign John Klingberg right now for $6 million in a flash. Here, here's $6 million. 
I think he's worth, I think he, he, he's on the open market. He'd be worth more than that. Now we know that we have a salary cap, no fault to John Klingberg's right. And, 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 and revenues that haven't risen. So, you know, what does that mean for John Klingberg? All I know is this, Steve, I think he's got five, six good years left. The way he runs offense, the way he runs the power play, the way he makes plays with the puck and everything, I would be phoning Jim Neal every day. What's it take to get him? I also read that, you know, that uh, from the Dallas side, that they gave John Klingberg and his agent uh, an opportunity to talk to other GMs around the league about a contract. So if that's the case, well, now you're getting a feel for what other teams can do. It sounds like they're already down the path. If that is the case, they're down the path of, of moving them. And now John Klingberg's trying to evaluate, okay, is this becoming a, a place where I can go where I'll get my contract, which helps Jim Neal in terms of what, what the trade value is, or does it become a rental? Either way, I'm finding a way to, to see what the price is for John Klingberg. There are not many players like John Klingberg in the NHL. Yeah, and if it's six times six at the worst oh. for him, you know, even if the sixth year is the, you know, Canada pension plan or the 401k plan, that's the price of business. And so, uh, and, and that's, and I love those stories and it's interesting. I mean, you went through it a bit with Derek Morris back when we had holdouts, the old school holdouts, and then you got to evaluate and then you make your move. Certain monies can never be made back. That was more about a guy that you had that was obviously a lot younger. And then you, and then you valued him. Dallas is in a spot where if you throw Flurry and all the guys I mentioned, Kessel, Giordano, and Klingberg into our mix, we're going to have a pretty nice trade deadline. Like it's going to make it very, very interesting. And we are talking about a 30 year old here, not a 36 year old, although Giordano's older, but I think there'll be a value for at least one more playoff run. Um, so Derek is different than John for sure. Well, well, and, and we, we should get into this in a later episode, just talking okay. about it. I can give you some, remember Derek Morris in 2000, it was a very different system and he was coming out of entry level. And I, I'll tell you, I'll just tease this right now. In my job interview with the Calgary Flames, I told the ownership and the president, I said, we're going to have two holdouts. You're going to have two holdouts come uh, the beginning of next season. They go, what? I go, yeah, Mark Savard and Derek, and Derek Morris. They're coming out of their entry-level contracts. They go, well, why do you say And I went through it all with them. And, I, and they said, well, how, like I, they said to me, how will you handle this? I said, it's not so much how I'll handle it, because it's going to be a test of you. It's going to be how you handle it. That's the story. I've teased it, but I'll give you, I'll give you the background on a deeper story later on about it. And it played out exactly how I had told them when I was in the interview uh, period. <laughs> Steve Cooley is along with Kreskin here uh, on the cool button on censored <laughs> hockey podcast. So officiating. And I love because you've got a wealth of experience in so many different areas. And it's not as if they're war stories, they're relative and relevant to what we're talking about in the day. Rick bonus smashed his stick after the two, one loss, uh, Toronto softly complained about, well, we had one power play and they had four and Tavares was hooked and everything else. They had a four, one lead. And you know, it's, it's what I've said before. How does someone honestly say they want consistency when there's 36 different officials? What are you talking about? Do you give me consistency at work? Does every slot of letter go in the mailbox the same way? Do you take the turn on driving the, I'm just using everybody as an example. There's no such thing as being consistently consistent. We're human beings. We're not. So we, we live our lives and then we watch a great football game on the weekend. And then we phone in sick Monday because we had a couple too many pops. These guys aren't doing that. You say, oh, they didn't have the effort today. 
yeah, don't confuse effort with execution and don't confuse effort with gas in the tank. Like, give me a break running through COVID in three games in four nights and, oh, then go to the world championship. And then you also play in the world juniors. Oh, and then also play in the Canada cup and the world, like what the NFL guys go 17 and we're done. The baseball guys don't even care about playing extra games. We have to take all of that into account. Having said that, I think B plus is the best we can ask from officials. Cause you see things we all, we talked about suspensions last week or hits from behind me, you and Marty Buran each looked at things differently. All of us. And we like to think we know what we're talking about. And maybe we do. So we looked at, you know, hitting from behind or elbows and everything else. So Dallas is upset. Miro Haskin thinks he was dumped. I thought he was tripped. The referee was right there. I just thought he tripped over his man. They end up blowing the game. Where are we? It comes up every once in a while on evaluating, seeing where we're at, and what was said privately in the rooms among the GMs about officiating? Because I have an article like from 1874. The match was believed to not be officiated by the umpire evenly and correctly. You know, Dateline, you know, Christy Pitts. So can you throw water on what always will be? Remember, the playoffs are coming. Will be a, you know, bit of a flame. I, I try to all the time, Steve. I, I really do. First thing I want to say, my, uh, my brother-in-law is a vice president at Bauer. I'll tell you what, he's told me, and, and I think this is common knowledge, you know, with, with respect to skates and sticks and equipment, supply chain issues. I mean, Rick Bonus is breaking sticks. Whoa, Rick. <laughs> Whoa, whoa. You know, somebody's going, oh, I don't have any more sticks. Anyway, I was kidding aside, you know, like you see the stick, Joel Farabee, you remember him going down the hallway and busting his stick last <laughs> yeah. week, Wednesday, Wednesday game. That was pretty funny. Anyway, all kidding aside. Okay. So you say B plus performance. I think we have a plus officials in the national hockey league. So I think it's better than B plus. I, I, I think there's nights where when they're not at their best and, and none of us are at our best hundred percent of the time, that's when you get B plus. I think the rest of the time they're, they're A's. I, I really do. I I've gone through this. I've gone through the numbers with respect to how many calls they have to make in the course of a game. And when I say they get 99% of them right in real time, and we give them the benefit now, which I think is tremendous, give them the benefit of being able to look and be sure about things, reduce a penalty. You, I know you, you're in favor of that too. So we've given them that benefit. So what does 99% mean? It still means there's going to be 6,000 calls perhaps in the course of a season, depending on how you define plays that have to be decided that they didn't get right. And I know 6,000, oh my Lord, that's 99% right in real time. That's what it is. So you know what, like, like anything, goaltender has a bad night, lets a couple in from, from a bad angle, right? Referee misses a call. Referees don't want to miss a call. I know that, you know that we, we got a plus officials. Like you, people think that we don't, that the NHL doesn't have the best officials. Like really? Okay, good. Here's what I'll do. Here's a suggestion for everybody. Please bring to the NHL, the officials that are better. Please do that. Cause I can guarantee you, they comb, they comb the world looking for officials that can referee in the best league on the planet. So I'm not buying it. I never will buy it and everything, but as fans, you know how it is. Oh, they're out to get me. They hate me. I always joke. 
you know what? People go, you don't like our team. I said, you're right, I don't. And guess what? I hate all teams equally in the NHL. I hate all 32 equally, just, just so we can be clear. And like people go, oh, oh, what do you mean? I go, like, well, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Oh, you don't like our team. Oh, you live in Alberta. Oh, you're on Toronto. You're on, you're on this network or that network. You're a homer. Oh, God, just pay attention. That's what yeah. I say. Yeah, and I say, because it's like judging figure skating. I And I don't mean to demean that they're not the best. And you know how I am. And I know, I know, up. I know. That. And knowing the rule book, I just think that when you look at it is saying it's figure skating. You look at it. Was that better sow cow than, than your sow cow, than your triple A? It's, 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 it is judgment. And it's the toughest part and the part of the sport that we all like the least because we're sitting there going, that wasn't a hook. Watch it again. He doesn't step on his stick. He hits him on the shin pad. Then the guy trips with the other leg that he wasn't touched. Oh, okay, but I need a replay to see that. So it's not as if they can never be A+. plus. Well, they can't be A+. Plus. It's, I'm just saying, realizing that B+, plus is kind of as good as it can be when you're judging figure skating is kind of the way I'm trying to look at it. And no, no, I know, I, 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 I know what you're saying. And, and like, I wasn't trying to jump on that. I'm just saying that on, on the, I believe that the NHL officials, when they have an off night, it's a B plus. That's what I think, because you got to look at it in its entirety in the con, but everybody just looks at the one play and, and everything. Hey, listen, like anything else, sometimes you make a mistake and no, like the, the officials do not want to make mistakes. They don't. And at the end of it, the best officials there. I had I had somebody send me a note telling me how they had an idea with the uh, with uh, the rescheduling of the women's worlds under eighteen, and went through it and 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 then he proceeded to tell me how easy it was. And I said, "This is great." I said, "Can I forward your phone number and email on to the officials at the IAHF and the different federations because they would love to hear." Uh, your suggestion. And I, I'm pretty sure they'll task you with putting it together since you think it's so easy. And, and <laughs> the response back, well, well, yeah, well, well, yeah. You think it's so easy. Another time, maybe Thursday, I will tell you the story of a, a silent auction. No, no, a live auction event. When I was the general manager of the Calgary Flames uh, from uh, one of our sweet holders and uh, you know, like the players, they were no good, how hard it was. I'll take you through that story. Yeah. Okay. I, I can tell you what you think it's easy to officiate. We'll bring you to the NHL officiating combine. We'll, we'll just try to do it. Like people think they can coach too, Steve. I used to joke about it. I said, I'd like some of the people that think they can coach stand behind a bench preseason, right? They wouldn't last 90 seconds. Their head would be spinning. They wouldn't have a clue what was going on. They think these coaches got there yesterday and somehow all the people, you know what I call them? Experts without expertise. Yep. And it's uh, sometimes it's fun to treat them like a pinata. Uh, and they, even <laughs> la- they could at least stand behind the bench for a bit until the players said, get out of here. Uh, they wouldn't last if they lasted 90 seconds behind the bench, they would last five seconds trying to officiate a game. Oh, yeah, I agree. You know what I mean? And for the people that always said I could have scored that goal, that old oh. famous line, when I sat on the desk with you on the TV side, I'd say, No, because you, or in this case, me, wouldn't have been ever good enough to play in the league that we would have scored that goal. So I know it's a little cliche ish, but it is when you're looking at what you're looking at, you're talking about the elite of the elite of the elites. As an example, there's 126,000 teachers in Ontario. I'm just using that number because it came up recently. 126,000 teachers. There's 20 players on the Toronto Maple Leafs. There's four of 
88, 91, 16, and 34. How many CEOs, CFOs? How many man, like when you start thinking about what we're talking about, there are 32 starting goalies in the NHL that are the top 32 goalies in the world. There's probably 32 doctors at Mount Saint, you know, at uh, Toronto or whatever. I'm just saying, and they're great. I mean, don't get me wrong, but that's the reason they get what they get. And we can make an argument that they're probably in supply and demand because we're pulling something away in theory with the CBA. They're not actually getting what they're truly worth because if Connor McDavid was a UFA today and there was no cap, the Rangers might give him $40 million. I'm just saying in theory. So it's fun to watch and think we could be them. Um, that doesn't mean you can't go to a coaching clinic, work on your skills, kids, uh, learn to be an official and people do. But just remember what we're talking about, the analytics of what these people are of the elite of the elite and put that in a number from 8 billion, 890 players, 32 goals. Whoa, they're special. So I have a, I, I'm not going to share it now, but you're going to have to take notes. You're taking notes on the quotes. Yeah. Mike Vernon. I have a great Mike Vernon story about, about, about starting goaltenders, supply and demand. And I'll finish. I will finish episode 29. You, 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 did you mention Leon is the number 29? Did you mention Leon? Oh, there's 220. Leon and, and you know, who actually McKinnon leaves the league right now in points per game at 1.62. I know. Great I just time. wanted to say, and Ken Dryden, that great playoff performance in 1971, where he won the con Smythe before winning the rookie of the year the next season. Anyway, we'll, we'll carry on from there. Murray Edwards, uh, the majority owner of the Calgary Flames. When I was the manager there, we got talking about, it was Joel McGinnis. He was discussing his contract and he goes, like, like, why, why do we like, 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 do we have to pay him that much? I said, no, if we can find another 10 Jerome McGinnis. I said, the problem is there's only one of them. <laughs> and that's why you pay Jerome McGinnis. <laughs> yeah. And uh, there's a reason we watch what we watch. We, we, we want to see the best of the best, you know, if yep. you're going to go see a Tom Cruise movie, but it's not Tom Cruise, it's the understudy. That's why he doesn't get the 20 million or whatever it is. So um, it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. Three quotes for you kids out there and at least two story times with Uncle Craig still to come. Luckily, there'll be an infinite amount of podcasts in the future. But for Craig Button, I'm Steve Coolius. Number 29, Dryden McKinnon Dreisaitl is done. We'll be back with number 30 next time. Be good. 